Welcome to the Missing Chapter Podcast, where you will hear some of the least known, obscure, and entertaining stories the history textbooks left out. Starring Phil Horander and Phil Schaff. Any historian or history buff will tell you there are certain people throughout history that use their gift of leadership for great things. Some, on the other hand, have used this gift for, well, not so great things. On this episode of The Missing Chapter, we're taking a look back almost a millennia in time to the 13th century, where we see a very, shall we say, skillful and strategic leader who used his leadership not to bring out the best in others, but as a means of conquest. And we're talking about one of the largest contiguous empires man has ever seen, the Mongol Empire under Genghis Khan. I'm sure many of our listeners know their fair share of Genghis Khan's stories, or at the very least are aware of the brutality that he is known for and the fear that he struck into anyone in his path. But maybe, just maybe, there's a story of a walled city that he came upon that gave him pause. What to do next? Turn back around, try to scale the walled city, surrender. Well, knowing him, he's most definitely not surrendering, but what he does next will make you wonder how someone could ever be so clever and so evil simultaneously. Welcome to The Missing Chapter, everyone. Let's get started. In Season 2, Episode 29, Happy Birthday to Who?, I told the story behind the iconic song that has become synonymous with birthday celebrations around the world, and you've heard Phil and I wish our loved ones happy birthday on past episodes of The Missing Chapter. Now, we want to extend that on-air shout-out opportunity to you, our loyal listeners. Email us at themissingchapterpodcast at gmail.com, or reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram and let us do the rest. Birthdays, anniversaries, graduations, what better way to celebrate life's accomplishments and with a personalized message on one of Spotify's most popular podcasts. So email us today at the missing chapter podcast at gmail.com or message us on social media and let's get started. I'm Phil Schaff. And I'm Phil Horner. And we look forward to adding one of your celebrations to the history podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Missing Chapter Podcast. I am Phil Horner here with my colleague Phil Shaw. Phil, as always. We're sitting down to a nice uh, hot cup of coffee, but this one's a, a little bit different. It's a little bit more special. This one is from our, our good friend Dawn McKinney in her fifth grade class. If you remember, they were the winners of the hometown history um, uh, competition that we had. We did a, a really special episode with her and her her amazing class. And she also sent us Auburn, California's best from uh, Depot Bay Coffee Company, Major Buzz. And it's really good. It's a very dark, rich coffee, which you and I oh, we love. love. Yeah. Um, whole bean. We had, whole to, bean. we had to grind them here, which we we have a grinder right, yep. sitting uh, right behind us. And uh, of course, a very we fresh do. pot of coffee. Yeah, which it was very sweet of Dawn to do this. She didn't have to do this. We really appreciate it. Um, and and like I said, it's it's perfectly paired mm-hmm. with a really good story, which you have for us today. Well, thank you. What a yeah. segue. And this is great. one, if I'm being honest complete transparency here on the missing chapter podcast. This is one that you have told now for, for several years with our classes. Years it's a great and story. And and you decided to delve a little bit deeper and take it from kind of an anecdote 
yeah. um, to a full-blown episode. Yeah, for sure. So there are parts to this I am familiar with and parts that I'm just hearing for the first time. Phil. Sounds good. Hey, oh, and by the way, before I forget, there's a couple of announcements I want to make too, is we're going to have Dawn back on. It just dawned on me. Yeah. I, that was not intentional. I'm sorry. But it just dawned on me that, uh, yeah, we're going to have Dawn back on um, for a secondary episode, a follow-up episode. So uh, we're excited for that. Also, I just want to remind everybody, don't forget to follow, click sub, uh, subscribe, and interact with some new features that Spotify just rolled out, like the Q&A and some polls. So we have certain episodes that have um, some interactive uh, segments involved with them. So please do your best to do all that. And it helps us, too. It helps us stay uh, connected yeah. with you guys. So, all right, back to the episode. Let's just talk about Genghis Khan. It was one of those... Um, one of those topics in Global One, which we've we've done away with, essentially, we've combined Global One and Two together now that we co-teach. But when I taught strictly Global One, uh, you're talking prehistory to, you know, pretty much through the French Revolution. It, one of the most fascinating topics for the kids was Genghis Khan. Um, such a, a, a weird figure. Uh, killed millions of people, mm -hmm. but has a little bit of tolerance built into his, his craziness, which is it doesn't fit in your ordinary um, killer sort of box, which is very intriguing for kids, especially, you know, freshmen, sophomores in high school. Um, so let's just talk about the background of Genghis Khan for maybe some people that, that aren't truly familiar. He was he was he reigned and, and was living in the time period of 1162 to about 1227. His original name was Temujin. Uh, which means uh, iron or blacksmith, and that has some sort of meaning uh, in the Mongolian side of things. He killed as many as 40 million people. Now, to put that in, in uh, perspective, that's about 5 to 10% of the world's population at the time. I mean, that is that's unreal. That is unheard yeah. of. Um, but once again, oddly tolerant of many religions. So his goal is to take over as much land as possible uh, while he's on this earth. And in doing so, he's taking over many different cultures and he's allowing these people to worship gods or goddesses that, that they uh, are a part of. Um, and I, I think it's really, for him anyway, it's a, it's a control thing. At least that's my opinion of it all. But all in all, he's trying to control as much power and land as he possibly can. So he's bringing power, he's bringing wealth to his people um, and wealth is what the Chinese had. So now he has his eyes on the Chinese, but it was too large. It, even for Genghis Khan, it was too large of an empire for him to conquer. There was actually, at the time, three different empires. Uh, the Zhijia Empire, or Western Zhia, the Jurchen Jin Empire to its east, and the Song Empire to the south. So he had his eye on the wealth that the Zhijia and the Jin Empires had gained from their control of the Silk Road uh, across Asia. So these Silk Roads traded goods from all over Asia into Europe. They promised tons of wealth to whoever controlled them. And that's where his target is. He wants to get control of that. The problem was the Mongols had never really fought against fortified cities. And that's a that's a crucial piece here. I mean, we studied this guy through and through. Um, even our military still studies uh, some of the things that some of the tactics and strategies that he used. But he didn't really have any huge adversaries that had these fortified built up walls um, that he's about to face like that of the Zhijia. This would prove very problematic for Genghis Khan. But instead of giving up, he proves why he's the greatest leader ever in history. So the attacks on the Zhijia Empire would give Genghis Khan and his army the experience they needed in fighting fortified cities. And the reason why I'm going a little bit off script here with the Zhijia Empire is that 
you had to have this base foundation of, of strategy and experience before he could go into what is going to be the heart of the episode. So in 1206, so this is about 20 years before he passes, uh, he, start, he starts the invasions. The purpose was to give the Mongolians a knowledge of the land um, that they would later be invading for the purpose of conquering. Okay, So Genghis Khan also wanted to test his men and his number one rule, which is gain the loyalty of his local tribes. So once again, we go back to his tolerant ideology. He's conquering everybody, but hey, I'll let you practice your own culture and your own religion um, so I can gain your, your loyalty. Okay, leading the charge across the Gobi Desert, Genghis Khan began his main assault on the Jija Empire in the spring of 1209. So he had about three years to prepare. Now he's going at it. The Mongols had major problems attacking the city. There's a city called Velohai, which is the focus of, of today's episode. And it was located on the eastern side of the Jija Empire. Remember, they had no experience in fighting these large-scale battles. Uh, for example, in the city of Velohai, the Mongols were unsuccessful in taking over the city with brute force. So what do you do? Um, usually this brute force tactic is just kind of wiping out any sort of civilization that was uh, in their path. But for whatever reason, this, is, this city has really got their number. He has to come up with a different strategy. He's got to implement something else because whatever he's working with now certainly isn't working. So Genghis Khan sends uh, the leader of Velohai a message saying that he would abandon the city and he would walk away if the leader of Velohai gave him all of their birds and cats. Okay. Let that sink in. A, a rather bizarre request, to say the least. To say the least. Um, so for our listeners, uh, maybe that haven't studied Genghis Khan as much as we've you know, mm -hmm. projected to our students, it's a, it's a very odd request. Once again, we've talked about being on certain sides of history. Being on this side of history, knowing Genghis Khan, there's always some mm -hmm. ulterior motive. This is one of those instances where it sounds like uh, a very, it's odd, but it's a simple request. He's not asking for money. Right. He's not asking for gold. He's not asking for, uh, I mean, anything really. Human compensation, Human compensation. servants, people Correct. to serve in the military. Right. Correct. So why, why is he asking this? Uh, I don't yeah. really know. And it seems point. relatively tame too, that if I'm the leader of Correct. this city, okay, this is reasonable. Whatever purpose he has, like you said, I, at this point, it's better than the alternative, which is to stand up and fight Genghis Khan. So, and that's the that's the perspective of the leader. The mm -hmm. city of Velohai's leader says, listen, we have one of the most ruthless leaders on the planet. And, and they didn't even know about the 40 million people killed at that point. Um, but he says, listen, if they're only asking for cats and, and birds, mm -hmm. let's give it to them. Consider ourselves lucky. and Correct. Yep. So if he's going to agree to this, let's make sure and shake hands and we'll say, okay, we'll give mm -hmm. it what you want. And maybe even politically speaking, this guy could be the savior of the city. Right. You know, so he, he gained some loyalty from his own people. But after the break, we're going to get to why Genghis Khan wanted those 11,000 birds and cats and what he did with them. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the Missing Chapter podcast. Phil, we're talking Genghis Khan today, which I enjoy because this is a, a new realm for us. Yeah. You know, in all the seasons that we've done podcasts for, uh, I really, I don't believe we've we've been in this area of the world during this time period or we've tackled a figure like Genghis Khan. Mm -hmm. So that in and of itself is is really uh, interesting. I, I'm interested to hear, um, you kind of left us hanging with 
with where we were in the break in your story. But one of the things you and I've discussed, um, my parents were gifted, like many people were, you know, the last couple of years, some of these new DNA testing kits. Right. So right. you're able to trace your lineage, see where, you know, some of your ancestry is from. Um, and I remember reading a story and we've discussed this and it's kind of uh, laid out by a Marco uh, Maritoff who writes for uh, a website called all that's interesting.com. Sure. Yeah. And Marco talks about the story of Genghis Khan's children and the conquests of his that involved much more than just the bloody battlefields. The number of people he has or he did father yeah. in his lifetime. So much so, Phil, and for our listeners at home, it is believed, it is believed that Genghis Khan had as many children um, that 16 million men alive today are directly descended from the Mongol emperor. All right. 16 million men today. And it goes on to say, historians have long known that he fathered numerous children with six wives and an untold number of concubines, mistresses. But the staggering details only came to light in a 2003 study published in the American Journal of Human Genetics. So this isn't just a rumor we're pulling off the internet. Right. Quote, the genetic legacy of the Mongols found that 0.5% of the world's male population were Khan's genetic descendants and that 8% of men living in his former territory had identical Y chromosomes. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. That's insane. That is absolutely insane. So if, if any listeners are doing like 23andMe and those right. Ancestry.com, those kind of things, you can probably find some sort of Mongolian. Maybe and, you'll find some, some yeah, more and, Mongolian. And how that. you can take something that happened so long ago and apply it to stuff for, for today. I mean, it's a historian's dream. Why are we learning this? Well, take a look. It's still relevant to a lot of our backgrounds, a lot of our lineages. Yeah. Maybe even, you know, a lot of people who are listening to your yeah, story here today. That's insane. As you were talking, I'm, I'm pulling up my uh, calculator on my laptop and don't, going through the math. And sure enough, it adds up. I mean, 8 billion people, 16 mm -hmm. million descendants. And I, I didn't even include just males, but 8 billion total. Right. And being like, uh, you know, about a, a percent or two of the population, um, including females. So that's right. insane. That's an insane amount of people. Um, okay. So to get back to the story here, Genghis Khan orders the city of Volohai to hand over all their cats and, and birds. Yes, they do it. They agree. Um, Genghis Khan says, thank you. They're at the, the city walls. Uh, they agree to this. How they conjure up all the cats and birds in the city, I, I, I don't know how that, that takes place. If I'm the mayor and I'm, I'm saying this is going to be a government project, I don't know how that works. Mm -hmm. However, um, they agree to it. They take all these cats and birds, end up being 11,000. I think I said that before the end of the uh, first segment. Uh, 11,000 cats and birds are handed over to Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan takes them all and retreats. And he sails off in the sunset and the story's over, right? That's it. That's it. Uh, no. What he ends up doing is going back to base. He attaches cotton balls to the tails of the cats and the birds mm. and then lights the cotton balls on fire. Now, one thing we have to point out is while this is happening, it's under the, 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 the scope of night, and you have the city of Volohai is essentially cheering at this point. Uh, they're going to be sleeping soundly because we just essentially appeased 
one of the most ruthless conquerors uh, the world has ever seen. And we, we've done it. We've mm-hmm. done it. We, we, he's, he's good. That's all he wanted. Why he wanted what he wanted, we don't know. Uh, but he's sailed off into the sunset. And, hey, let's rest peacefully tonight in our beds. Well, under the cover of darkness, um, they light these unfortunate cats and birds' tails on fire. And at this point, the animals get incredibly scared. They want to go back to where they're, they're you know, their homes are where their comfort is right. so they go under the walls and over the walls to which you know the the mongol the golden horde they they could not do because they tried going through this with with uh, uh the empire of the jija and going with brute force wasn't happening so let's do it with strategy all of these cats and birds go under and over the walls fire breaks out all over the city while people are sleeping um items are destroyed by the hundreds People are waking up and they're tending to the fires. While they're tending to the fires, here comes Genghis Khan and his golden horde, and they break through, ransack the city, uh, and the rest is history. So if you get to a walled city, if you're Genghis Khan, it's not, uh, I guess I'm defeated. It's let's come up with another strategy. And the strategy comes up with, albeit brilliant, is a pretty messed up. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's pretty sadistic. Um but if you're looking at it just from the perspective of the ends justify the means, it also shows you that he wasn't just a brute force overwhelming opposition. Yeah. But we always sort say of leader. We always say, like, you have you have these serial killers and these mysteries, these, you know, that we that we talk about, that we study and stuff. And it's it, it gets really sick and twisted once yeah. you start talking about these innocent uh you know victims, especially animals. Right. You about the animals? Yeah, there's something you know, bothersome there's something about so that. Bothersome yep. about that. On that scale, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Mongols scrape up anything that's salvageable in the city. Uh, and with that, they've won their first fight against a fortified city. And the success of Volohai was just the beginning of Genghis Khan's massive list of accomplishments, if you want to call that an accomplishment. But it was the first time that they had taken a fortified city of that size, at least. But his empire is then going to continue to be one of the largest, if not the largest, contiguous empire the world has ever seen. Thank you for joining us. And until next time, I'm Phil Horander. And I'm Phil Schaff. Another chapter has been added to the history textbooks.